All right, this is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! Yay! All right, we have a fantastic guest. We have Brian Rivera, an actor. Uh, he, you've been at the ACT. Um, you've done the Intersection for the Arts. You're at the San Francisco Mime Troupe. Now you've been to New York. You've done all sorts of things. I believe you're a playwright as well. Um, oh! How are you? I didn't know about this. Oh. I can't wait. Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> no, well, yeah, I, I did a play in, in, in college. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, I see here you work with Conrad Panganaban, um, Garden of Dreams. So I, I didn't know if you, that was a co-writing thing or just you worked in, on his play. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I performed in this play, but I, I wish I want to be a writer. <laughs> these days. But, um, but yeah, he's a good, close friend of mine. So uh, right. the writer of our group. Right on. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, the Philippine, I just, I was talking earlier today with Aureen Almario, oh. working on, um, I wrote a little uh, piece called The Informer, and it's about a Philippine family worrying about ICE and the oh. um, deportation. So I'm trying to see if Bendelstiff will sponsor that. So yeah. we'll see what happens with that. Okay. But in any case, um, how's everybody doing this um, post-Juneteenth? Lordy. Okay. Well, you know what I was doing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, last never... night we did a, a, excuse me, a reading of Gem of the Ocean. Oh, yeah, that was that was wonderful. Well, we were up against the. Um, I can't even. It's. I think Lorraine Hansberry was officially the sponsor, but it was everybody playground. Oh. Um, you know, all they said. I don't know how many companies were participating in their Juneteenth celebration. So we were up against some pretty heavy hitters. <laughs> I think we did an excellent job. I mean, I think the production, Susan Dunn, you know, uh, she, I'm not sure what the name of her group is, but uh, she uh, did The East Bay good. Readers. East Bay Readers, yeah. And, East Bay uh, Readers Theater. Yeah, they did an excellent job. I mean, just the production value. Usually I'm very, I, I sort of poo-poo, you know, a lot of folks who try to do these readings and they try to make it into a theatrical event because there's not only so much you can do on Zoom, mm -hmm. but we did a very good job. I think that the script itself, the, uh, the language itself, lends to the, uh, the beauty of it. And so um, it's almost like radio. It's, it's almost like theater radio. But, of course, we had the backdrops, and I think all of us did an amazing job. We had Lamar. Yeah, well, Mara says that you were one of her favorites. Oh, how nice. <laughs> of course, I was the bad guy. But no, Lamont was amazing. Lamont was amazing. Uh, the woman uh, over on the East Coast, she did fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, Kathleen uh, Ridgeway. Um, Kimberly. Kimberly, thank you. Kimberly Ridgeway. Um, Terrence Smith. Yeah, we couldn't have gotten through it without her. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, Rid uh, Kimberly was fantastic. We got to get her on the A. And uh, Terrence Smith, who she was. would love that. Yeah, uh, Terrence was a Shelley Award winner. And uh, he did a fantastic job stepping in at the last minute. So mm -hmm. it was nice. I mean, th but there were a lot of stuff going on Juneteenth. I mean, there were protests going on. There were theatrical events. Zoom. There was a protest downtown, uh, downtown Oakland. Um, Angela Davis and Boots Riley were major, main speakers. Um, they shut down the ports. The unions shut down dozens of ports on the West Coast just said they were not working. They did an eight-hour strike. Said they were not doing any work today. And, uh, and the um, protest started at the port and marched all the way downtown. If I'd known, I would have gone. That, that's incredible. 
Yeah, I spoke to uh, Javier Reyes, and uh, he had, uh, I believe he went. But, uh, yeah, there were a lot of things. Um, here's a question I'll ask for you, Brian. I mean, are you surprised? Because we've had shootings and we've had events that deal with race relations, but nothing on a worldwide event. And yeah. it feels like this is a little different than everything else. I mean, does that surprise you? Uh, in a way, yeah. Because, I mean, like, it seems like every, like, world globally, every nation's got their own problems. But the fact that you see people protesting in Korea and Japan you now, um, everywhere, it's, 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 it's inspiring. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, pretty cool. And I was listening just a few minutes ago to Public Enemy has uh, put out a new album. Really? Song. Oh, yeah. Uh, quite. Keep run the cops. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, very anti-Trump and uh, it's very profane, but it's good to see Public Enemy back in action. Uh, Is this with Flavor Flavor without? With Flavor Flavor. I thought oh. that Chuck D were at the, on the outs, but apparently they right. made up. And I'm sure there's some money involved in it too. So, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> excuse me. Nice to know anybody's getting paid these days. Yeah, huh. Brian, you had a uh, wonderful post about a, I believe it was a UPS, no, a FedEx driver, who um, I guess was spat on or um, yeah, and was just yeah taunted and you know called racial epithets, sad, and it's you know yeah, it's sad and an angering, but uh. Right. I mean, I mean, what can you say? It's good people are, are, are testifying and, and with our, our technology yeah. able to like spread out the news. And right. Yeah. Even though yeah. it's been going on forever, but not, you know. Yeah. So, Brian, Brian posts a lot of really good stuff. Um, I it, share a lot. Yeah. A lot that's going on. Yeah. No, I totally appreciate that. Uh, here's, now you're a, um, you're a Philippine American artist, correct? Yes. Okay. So have you, I mean, because when we talk about race relations, we usually talk about black-white relations, and we usually forget about some of the others, uh, except for, like, you know, the Latino Americans and the zero tolerance. But have you had to deal with any of, um, I don't know, racism or any sort of prejudice growing up? <laughs> I, take, I guess you have. <laughs> well, sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, where do I begin? I mean, nothing, nothing supremely horrible, but... Um, little things that catch caught me off guard you know growing up because that's a thing it took me a long time to realize that we're in a blue state that that the inland is you know heavily uh, not just that it's, it's just sacramento county is so huge and and where i went to school growing up um well, it's okay. I don't need to backtrack. What uh, I went to uh, from K through eighth, I went through an elementary school and junior high that was in you know so-called hood in a Meadowview, uh -huh. but it was a private school. But we had we we were very mixed and and equally represented, and so you know people were different, but you know it wasn't a problem. But then I went to high school in a in mainly white neighborhood. And that's where I got to see a lot of like, you know, the, you know, I got a lot, whatever, micro, macro aggressions, I guess, mm -hmm. a lot of bullying. Um, and a, a couple of times, some, some, some like neo-Nazis. Yeah. I remember yeah. one time, that means, uh, when in, our, in our senior year, we're allowed to leave campus. And so we'd all, I'd hop in the car with my friends and we'd go to like Taco Bell down the street. But, uh, right. But I remember one time we went there and we we're just picking up our tacos and we we're heading back to our car. And then this, there was this guy 
this angry guy with his wife and kid and he just started shouting like white power at us and we were like oh, oh. and we're the mostly white white nerds but right. and, you know hawaiian and, and uh, thankfully the driver of the car uh, a guy named hennessy he, <laughs> he was, i forget shoot he was driving a volkswagen so like he said, ah. yeah, Volkswagen, yeah yeah and he you know he brushed him off and then you know we went back to school but uh Little things like that, you know, growing up with people doing doing the whole ching chong chang thing at you at the movie oh, theater. Oh, that's sick, yeah. Yeah, is, but is nothing those... like over. Well, Sacramento, the Sacramento police are, you know, as this this um, lens is being focused on the cops, I imagine they're not faring too well. They've they've got some dirty history. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Black black men keep just getting killed, and they're like, ooh, oh well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I, I, I'm not. What? How do I say this right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about you all. Again, I, I have friends and family who are, who are police, but mm -hmm. I'm not knocking them. But I think you know, just the, the system of law enforcement is right. broken, and and a lot of innocent people paying the price. And you know, it's 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 funny. I was talking to a um, a colleague of mine. I work for the district attorney's office, and he's a investigator, a former cop. And he was talking. We were talking about how the police were portrayed in the seventies. You had shows like Beretta. You had shows like Chico and the Man, and um, oh, I'm trying to think Columbo and uh, the Rockford Files and Barney Miller. And the portrayal of the cop was sort of the this relaxed, laid-back, outgoing individual who just want, who used um, the power of his personality. Um, but then that changed. That changed in the '80s with you know, like um, I want to say. Well, he had mentioned Chips, but I, I was thinking more about um, like the A Team and um, and Lethal Weapon, you know, and and uh, Dirty Harry, where Go Jack. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. But I mean, this this transition from the easygoing cop to we need to militarize, militarize ourselves and this oh, is SWAT. Yes, that yeah, was SWAT. actually a show. SWAT. Yeah, exactly. So I'm always curious about how, because a lot of individuals who become cops they watch these shows, and there was a generation of guys who watched the laid back Barney Miller stuff. And they were like, hey, I want to be the good cop or, you know, the cop that solves problems. But then you have other guys who watched, let's say, Dirty Harry or um, uh, Death Wish. Or, and they are like, hey, you know, there's evil out on the streets and I have to avenge the evil or whatever. So I do wonder the mentality of some of these cops. So that's what, that's what I find interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, uh, let's. Uh, well, we might as well get into an origin story. You had uh, sort of talked about your upbringing. Uh, did you have any siblings? I have a younger sister. Okay. Yeah. What? Uh, go ahead. Oh, uh, she's a few years younger than me. She's a lawyer. Uh, she's got a kid right now with her husband, so they're here like half of the week. Oh, nice. So part of our germ pod. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you get involved in theater brian did you were you one of those kids who when you were in elementary school did you do the theater stuff i wish um no no um when i went to high school basically my my first fresh my freshman year um one of my teachers said oh if you go see this musical you get extra credit i'm like oh, okay i love extra credit so um <laughs> Got my uh, dad to drop me off at the, the gymnasium one Sunday afternoon. And all I knew was it was a, 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 play, a musical about fairy tales. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. 
What was it? Into the Woods. Ah! Wow, yeah. Sondheim. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't know what to I, – I was just, you know, thinking the, the least I could about this production or, or just, you know, whatever, a musical about fairy tales. And then um, as the show was going along, I was just blown away that people my age and a few years older, you know, the seniors were just, you know – bringing something to life in front of me and being these other people and breaking out mm -hmm. of the song and dancing it, it blew my mind so every year i tried to audition for the productions but the drama club which was a class was at night and i was in a carpool so i couldn't do it so i mean i didn't know what i didn't even know how to audition you know we didn't have the internet really yet um so i uh i never got in until my senior year i was part of the men's choir so based on that uh, experience in ski Mm. And and I was also involved that that fall prior in um an annual uh, community Filipino uh, Christmas review. Uh, I got into the musical uh, Guys and Dolls for uh, you know mm. happening my spring of my oh nice top, uh, senior year. Who'd you play? So, uh, <laughs> I played Calvin the missionary. Ah, okay. <laughs> that was the young guy of the group marching along in the Salvation Army band. But that night uh -huh. I was a, I was a crapshooter. So that was uh, cool. yay. So it sounds like you sing. Do you sing? Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a good ensemble singer. I'm not a soloist, but I'm, I want to be. But hmm. I don't know because I grew up. Thinking, well, that's the first thing I gravitated to when I got into theater was musicals and and like all the parts I loved the most were you know as as with all pop songs are are like written for or male pop songs are written for tenors. Right. And I'm a and so it took me a while to latch on to like the, the lower register singing voices and songs mm -hmm. yeah that's the drag about a lot of musicals a lot of your leads <clears throat> excuse me are, are for tenors unless you're you know lynn carry and uh you can get to be uh sweeney todd or something like that mm -hmm. where but uh yeah you're absolutely right um so what i mean what did um did you go to uh college for theater oh yeah eventually i mean um uh i i, I didn't declare my major till like maybe a, a couple years but um I went to uh, Sac City College first, and mm -hmm. I went there because, not just to save money, but I'd heard that they had a great uh, community theater company on campus there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I heard about this production of Our Town that they had where they uh, they, they made it rain on stage. And wow. It was awesome. Oh. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. so I, I had to find her and take classes from her. And um, mm -hmm. Uh, was a woman named Donna J. Sparks, who uh, was an awesome, awesome teacher, mm -hmm. as well as another teacher, Kim McCann, um, both great teachers and directors. Right. So I worked with them for several years, and then eventually I transferred to SF State, followed along with, uh, followed uh, the path of friends from the same theater would left a mm -hmm. year or so before me. Whoop, whoop. Um, uh oh. Whoops. Okay. Earthquake. Earthquake. Oh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, then I went to SF State and, and got my degree in, uh, in drama. I didn't realize you were an alum. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> right on. <No> <laughs> you, you know, there, there are a lot of folks who uh, they get into theater, let's say when they're in high school, because it's just fun. It's a fun thing to do. But then there are some folks who are like, this is my calling. This is the thing. I have something inside of me that I want to express. Was <laughs> it the same for you? I mean, um, what <laughs> can you describe what sort of grabbed how theater grabbed you? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Um, partly for me, uh, okay, like, starting superficially for me was just, you know, being out there undeniably noticed on a stage, you know, in front of people. That that was a cool draw for me. 
Mm -hmm. But something I think uh, the, the the deeper level for me with with theater is that um, I don't know. I I don't I do know. I'm just um, I part of my I guess my life struggle is finding my own voice, mm. and so I think part of that kind of like self therapy or or, or or way of of exp exploration for me was delving into other characters and other people's words and letting those words come out through me, you know, and learning about that human condition of each each character I, I study or perform that, that kind of, um, I don't know, helped me find my own voice in, in real life. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I can't, I can't remember how many times I've, um, I've been cast to do something, but, you know, although the director may see me in that role, that's not really my role or that's not that's not the way that I envisioned myself and it took a while for me to actually probably only until I did Errol Philander but even later with uh, Richard Wright where I was like wow this is a role that really tells a, a part of my story and maybe I'm not Richard Wright but I can identify with this and unfortunately I don't know why but you know, it, then again and that's a question I'll ask with you, Norman. I mean, um, when is the first time you had a role that really spoke out to you? Huh. Uh, let me think about that. I, I was actually going to go the opposite, because um, I would say for you, it was interesting to see you in this role. Um, you played Caesar in uh, um, Gem of the Ocean, and you were kind of like, I'm not sure where to go with this, but, you know, taking it over the top, um, still allowed your personality to come through so the character reflected you in some ways but probably not in the way that anybody else would have done it you know and i think that's that's what i've always found is i'm not sure what the director wants from this i'm often in that position where i'm just like i don't know what you think you want from this i played titania last fall friggin titania i'm like <laughs> what the hell do you want me to do playing titania in my mind, Titania is one of the sexiest women in all of Shakespeare. What am I doing playing Titania? And yet, I had to figure out how I could root it in me. But, I mean, to, to think about your question, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm more, still more in that zone of it. I, I, I'm not so much looking for a role. Oh, no, I do have one. God. <laughs> this is about four years ago. Um... It was, I was on a weird trajectory. I, I hadn't been doing a lot of full productions, and I just, I got antsy. I started getting out and doing, auditioning. So first I got audition, I, I got cast in God of Carnage. And, you know, it's a four-character play. You're on stage for almost the whole time. It's intense. It was wonderful. Um, that was exciting, but I, yeah, I didn't see myself as any of the characters, and so I looked at the history of the play to see if that would help me understand how to play this role, and it was, um, what's his name, James Galdafino, the guy from The Sopranos? Yeah, yeah, the guy who passed away, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and oh gosh, in, uh, Roman Polanski made a movie of it called Carnage, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he's, he's huge, he's wonderful, he, um, he was just in the um, Stan and Ollie, um, Laurel and Hardy oh, yes, biopic. Yeah, he was fantastic in that. He's amazing. Wait, yeah. John C. Riley? Yes. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. That's him. Now, look at me. You know me. I'm a little man. How the hell am I going to play a role of one of these guys? So I just had to let that go and let it be something else. Now, the role that actually I went, this is me. I auditioned for this play. It was a new play. 
It was about um, parents of a, a couple um, had died. A young couple had died. And my son and this white woman had died. And I'm going to meet the parents. And they don't know anything about the relationship. All they know is their daughter died in a car with this black guy. That's all they know. Oh, I remember this. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, it was a gorgeous play. Yeah, um, it was. I it was the character was well spoken. Um, he carried his emotions in a very. You could tell that there was a depth of of feeling and anger and sorrow, but he mostly kept it on this level because he doesn't know these people. He's in front of these white people, and he's got a deal. And the funny thing was, I went. I auditioned. The director got him and said, man, man, that was incredible. And he was the writer, director, writer. He walks up, shakes my hand and says, brother, I hope we get to work together someday. And I knew right then I wasn't getting the role. I'm like, God damn. So I walk out and there is this huge man, you know, think like black Burl Ives with dreads. I mean, this man just exudes what America thinks of as black. And, you know, and he's got way more gray than me. I wasn't as gray at the time. And I'm like, oh, hell, you, you got to hire this guy. So they do. They hire the guy, and he goes through the role as if it were Sanford and Son. He's looking for every joke. Oh, he's looking no. for every will. Uh, uh, uh. And the director is going nuts. Well, fortunately, I was working on a reading with the guy who played the surviving son. And every time we'd fit a rehearsal, he'd say, Norman, man. You should be in this play with me. And he kept telling the director that every time we would rehearse the reading, he would go back to his rehearsals and tell the director. You should cut him a week. You should cut him a money. Yeah, you should give that guy a little bit of your money. So they, they fired the other guy. They brought me in. I barely had three weeks. Dang. And every night on stage, I loved that role because I felt like, this is a black man that is something like me. He's not totally like me, but he's a black man I understand. And not because I'm studying some foreign role. Because I'm sorry, every time I played a gangbanger, and I played way too many, I may as well be doing Shakespeare. For as far away from me as it is culturally. Like, I grew up in the suburbs. I went to college. Why the hell am I doing this? <laughs> Because, yeah, and see, that's, and, you know, it ties into the identity. It ties into what you were saying, Brian. I mean, you know, you, you're seeking to find, you know, um, a, not, maybe not a role or a play or whatever, but, you, you know, the story. You want the story that you're doing as an actor to sort of represent you as a person. And there's so many times, and sometimes I blame myself, let's say as an actor, if I do an audition and I only show the director or whoever it is only one part of me, and they only see me as, let's say, stereotypical role or something like that and I don't like the roles that I'm getting I've got to change what I'm doing I've either got to find a company that'll recognize me for who I am or change up my monologues you know if I got to if I want more angry roles I've got to do an angry monologue or if I want to do a more classic role I've got to find a you know dust up the Shakespearean monologue so I guess sort of managing your career I mean that's how I see it I mean do you see it that way uh, both Norman and Brian well, that's, I'm curious about this, because Brian is in this interesting place in terms of managing career. Uh, Where do you go next? And he's lucky because you've got a, kind of got a home with the mime troupe, right? So you know that there's a good chance they're going to be calling you and saying, hey, what are you up to this summer? For sure, for sure. No, I, and, and uh, that's it's, it's a relief and, and also very, so I'm very grateful for that. I'm, 
I feel like I'm a, I'm a family of, of or and or associate of, of two great theater groups or, that uh, are deep in my heart, uh, the Mime Troupe, and then also Campo Santo uh, with the intersection. Familia. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah my familia. But uh, yeah, it's great. And uh, knowing that, you know, every now and then, you know, there's something on, along the lines that I can, I can, they can fit me in for, or, you know, have a place for me in. But, uh, you know, we always want to be looking for work and, you know, regular work is the, is the key thing, I guess. And, mm hmm that's uh, impossible right now, but uh, yeah. Talk, talk to me about and, uh, uh, tell me your experience in New York. When did you go to New York? Uh, I went there January 2015. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember he posted at one point the freshman, the freshman. I don't. They don't call it a class, do they? They the folks who is their first year, and you posted oh, a thing with the, that uh, Broadway babies. Broadway. Oh man, I was so proud. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Broadway babies. Yeah, it's cool. It's it was so nice because there, there's this whole ceremony they do every every night, every opening night for a Broadway show. They they draw up the, uh, they call up all the the newbies on stage, and there's this kind of ceremony that's done. That's, that's pretty oh, mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Well, okay. That's also a part with the um. Oh my God, and I'm bringing the I'm I'm blanking on the name of it, but um. Aside from the Broadway babies. You you have um oh my god I'm forgetting the name I feel bad right now but there's a tradition since the beginning of uh, or near the beginning of Broadway where um the most senior uh, chorus dance member is given this robe right yes and so there's a whole ceremony where um it's like a kind of patchwork robe like like you know Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat mm -hmm. but it's made up of all the previous productions that came before it right. Supposedly there's a secret room uh, in the offices of uh, equity or whatnot in, in New York where they keep all the robes and it's like a patchwork kind of a, a you know, quilt of history of, a, of the different Broadway shows. But the, the, so the most senior dancer is elected and they, um, they put them in the robe and they got to spin around and they got to touch every, every like member of the cast uh, and, and oh. through uh, backstage oh. before the show. And, wow. But yeah, it was, it was, it, yeah. I, I, the legacy I, robe. The legacy robe. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> Google. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. nice. But it's, uh, yeah, so uh, I was extremely lucky because I moved to New York with, you know, a short thing, you know, at least for a couple of years you know, in my pocket mm -hmm. already. So were you cast on a show? I mean, how did you how did you get to New York or did you just show up there? Just boom. I, I wanted to just show up there, but um. I guess I was more reticent ha having experienced that in, in, in LA um, back in 2011 mm -hmm. or 2010, 10, I figured, okay, it's time for me to try my luck. And I didn't know whether to go to LA or New York from San Francisco. And I picked LA, not knowing that the theater scene down there is extremely different. Right, but, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. There's a lot of phenomenal actors doing theater there, but not really getting paid. Um, right. Hmm. But um, <clears throat> and not staying in the productions. I mean, that's you can walk into a show where somebody who just wants to do the role is stepping in because somebody else got picked up for something. Oh, oh right, right. Well, in so, L.A. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, the, the theater company I got drawn to the most, uh, weirdly enough, uh, is um, a classical theater company in L.A. Oh. called the, the Antius Company. Okay. A bunch of my friends from as a state had moved on to there and were part of their academy and, and their conservatory, and um. And so they told me about it, and here I am, and I moved to L.A., and I, I took a Shakespeare class. It was amazing. 
to be sure. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, what's my point? Well, we're talking <laughs> about New York. In terms of doing the shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in SF, I, 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 I'd slowly built up to a level where I, I was getting more work after, after I moved back from L.A. Um, and so I kind of had everything planned out. And then um, I was doing a show at ACT and I was walking around the offices and the rehearsal spaces. And, and um, there was postings. Basically, um, the Telsey and Company is one of the two top uh, uh, casting agencies in New York. And this is the first time they ever had a, a, an open call in San Francisco. Oh, show. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it was for The King and I, the, revival, the 2015 revival. And so just on a whim, you know, I signed up and did my thing and uh, I got called back and went to LA and then I couldn't make it to the New York, uh, uh, other callbacks in New York, uh, right. but they cast me. And so, yeah, so I had, you know, I came with a good thing going. I think we were doing some of the Buffalo readings around that time. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so you were doing you were doing a lot of that. You you really helped develop. And it's so funny. Uh, the character we had you read, they ended up Jeannie. I think the last version she did of it, she ended up combining those two brothers oh, into okay. one character. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah, you were. It was a Perfidio, Perfidio, Perfidio. That sounds right. Yeah, Perfidio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was um, he was sort of the military um, mind yeah, in, the revolutionary. That, um, in the revolutionary. Yeah. 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 I wish I got to see that. Shoot. Okay. Well, last time it was in Hawaii. So. <laughs> yeah. All of us had a little bit of a touch in uh, Jeannie Baroga's uh, play Buffalo. And I think it mm. premiered in was it was it San Jose? Yeah. San Jose, uh, San Jose stage. Yeah. 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 Um, how long did you stay in New York, Brian? Uh, I guess I had a place technically there for three years, but so the, our, our, our revival ran for like a year and a half. Then we had a little bit, a few months break, and then I went back there to um to do the tour, right? Uh, you know, and so I did that tour for like two years, and then somewhere near the end of that tour, I, I had to move my 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 roommate got engaged and was moving to L.A., and I couldn't find a roommate or a subletter in time, so sure. I just let the apartment go. And but I want to head back there. You know, when, when, when this is all blown over and hopefully there's theater again yeah. in, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember I was so proud because you were traveling and you were understudying a couple of roles, including the lead. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh, and we'd get these emails. So it looks like I'm going on in San Jose. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, know, I'm, I was so bad with it. No, you were great about it. I mean, how are you going to know? You're not going to get that much notice most of the time. <laughs> Well, actually, I did have some notice with the San Jose gig, but I was just, that was the thing with tour life or one of the, 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 the uh, what do you call it, challenges that I learned um, was that the days just kind of bleed into each other. And mm -hmm. You're doing eight shows, six days a week. Right. You're one day off as a travel day. So I just, I, I lost track of time, basically. Mm -hmm. So you're working, you're doing both the intersection for the arts and also the mime troupe. Uh, yeah. at the same time. So how, how does that work out? Oh, I mean, uh, I don't know. Usually it, 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 it I guess the intersection or the Campo Santo doesn't really do summer shows, I, I would say. Right. No, not, not really. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Um, but, but so I guess we mainly do stuff like, I, I won't say we, but somehow just worked out where I was doing stuff in the winter or spring or fall, but mm -hmm. you know, 
And the yeah. Mime Troop, I did, you know, I've, I've done like, I guess this my, will be my fourth production with them. Hey! hey. Yay! Nice, nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because when I think of a repertory company, I mean, it's been a while since I've been involved. I was involved in EastEnders, and I could never think of joining two companies at the same time because I would think I'd have to dedicate one, you know, uh, my time with one company. But I, I suppose you could do it if, if people yeah. aren't doing two things at the same time. Right. Yeah. Or if they're doing, like, with um, Mime Troop, it's all going to be days, weekends. Hmm. So you could conceivably do an evening show. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you'd be running, but damn. Right, right. And with Campo Santo, yeah, we mainly uh, habitually we, we do like night rehearsals. Right. So works out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Have you thought about um, equity at all, or are you comfortable with where you are? I thought you are, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm equity. But oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I just um, it's 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 worked for me thus far, but uh, right. You know. It has its challenges. I mean, that's sure. especially with all this screening stuff. It's been intense, mm -hmm. and um, and I so I just the other thing that happened for me was last weekend um, was I directed a piece for Playground. Playground mm -hmm. traditionally has a arrangement with Equity, but they that kind of fell apart in the spring because things were being done on screens. So Jim Kleinman, the the founder of Playground talked to SAG, said, hey, we're doing this stuff, it's original material, and we're doing it on screens, can we get an agreement? SAG said, sure, they gave them an agreement, and he had tried to talk to Equity, but Equity does what they always does. Every time something is weird, it's that whole analogy about if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, every problem looks like a nail. Every time you go to Equity to say, well, I'm trying to figure out how to make this work, Equity says, well, oh, cool, no, no problem, we can do this, you gotta pay this much more. <laughs> Oh, goodness. <laughs> Brian, you know, you... And so um, Playground has been paying something around the reading rate um, okay. for their regular season. And then for the festival, they have to pay a weekly because, you know, for the week, for the, for the Monday night Playground stuff, it's all script in hand. So you really can do. You hit an hour and a half rehearsal and then bam, you're, you're done. You, you know, you're up and you're running. For these, you actually do rehearse them, you get off book and you do that, so you have to pay for it. But Equity was still just pushing them to some level that they weren't ready for. Hmm. So they made a deal with SAG, and I, I just sent an, I just actually posted on Facebook, there's a closed group for Equity members, and I was like, hey, what is Equity going to do about the screening thing? And their only answer is, well, the companies that we already have an arrangement with, we have some options for. I'm like, okay, what about the companies you don't have an arrangement with? You know, can we, can't we, is there some way to work it out? And right now, they don't have an answer. Wow. Brian, I was going to ask you, are you frustrated? I mean, there are a lot of folks who are equity in the Bay Area, and they're frustrated because they can't get, a, they can't get the jobs that they can get elsewhere. Um, I, mean, are you, I mean, are you comfortable or are you, how do you feel about equity, being an equity actor here in the Bay? Well, I mean... I'm 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 a strong believer in unions mm -hmm. and, and organizing, and I'm I'm a proud member of Equity, yep. but I do feel like, you know, ever since of, of, ever since they closed our offices, the northeast, you know, the north north Bay right. offices, are we represented here? Yeah. You know how how much does how how often does a representative from New York get over to you know the North Bay? Yeah, not agree, but Northern California. Sorry, the Bay um, Area. Period. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Well, but I wonder in your position if you, you know, how quick, how quick or how likely are you to jump on a plane and go, you know, audition in Chicago or Dallas, New York? Uh, <laughs> I wish if they were if 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 the emails were coming or calls were you know right. being made, I I would consider that. But uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm not doing that a lot. I wish. I was kind of getting, I guess, to a level being bi-coastal, but um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think of you that way, but, you know, you have to, it's always a juggling act. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And I'm sure, you know, a lot, you know, I, especially with Zoom, I'm sure video auditions are things that actors are doing now more than Oh, ever. gosh, yes. Like, I'm thinking about these Zoom things that we're doing, like these readings, and I think, wow, if this is recorded and I give a good enough performance, even though I'm reading, maybe that can be audition material. But mm -hmm. I think all actors are thinking about that now. Like, you know, how do I give a good audition? You know, something that Norman and I, we've been talking about through the last couple of episodes, mm. you know, auditioning in front of a live person as opposed to the video, the camera, because camera auditions or camera doing a monologue in front of a camera is a little different than- It's film acting. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's better than I feel like it's. Um, I'm I'm personally more comfortable, like do, with doing like a, a like a live video audition, like on my laptop, versus doing a, a self 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 tape self submission. Sure. Uh huh. Because I feel like okay, we, we you know I and the casting director and or director have slotted this time where we're gonna be here, exist, and we're gonna focus on each other. Oh. And I do feel like there's some actual kind of you know. They ask questions, they, they give notes, and you do it again, and, you know, it feels, it's, it feels very detached. But Jeez, it feels like I haven't seen that invested. yet. I would, well, I, I only I'd that, be I willing to try it. Yeah, that'd be cool. But, um, yeah, they're not. That, that's what I know. All I've seen is the, can you send us a videotape? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's more convenient for the casting directors. But, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't feel as invested when I, I'm ashamed to admit, when I, if I do a self-tape. Well, well I mean, it's funny. I find I work hard to do it. Um, so, and, and therefore, I do as many takes as I feel like I need to do. Mm -hmm. So I end up with something where I'm like, damn, I like that. Okay. But I don't think it's representative. I, I agree with what you said. If it's live and somebody gives you an adjustment, then I can see what you as an actor do. If mm -hmm. you did 20 takes of it till you finally got lucky and got something that accidentally ended up looking really good, that's not really representative. It's, you know, I've, I've known in real life too many actors who got coached to the nth degree on a monologue, came in and were fantastic on that monologue. You try to give them adjustment or you give them a side to read and their, their quality just drops. And you're like, uh, okay, no. You spent a lot of money making that monologue look good, and that's all you got. Yeah. Oh, okay. And by the time they're cast, it's too late for the directors. Like, oh, my God, this person is horrible. You know, I, I can't. He he or she won't take any directions. But you've cast it, and so you know you may have let somebody. So it's it's tough because obviously, if you tape it, you could tape it over and over and over again and get the very best. But it's nothing. It's yeah. it's different from uh, doing it live one on one. It's a different animal. I'm enough. I I don't mean to sound bad about film acting, but the playground that we just did. One of the things we were specifically told was how can we keep this theatrical. And so there are solutions that I know are available in film work. Can I find some way that's actually more applicable to stage work and just record that? And it wasn't rec it was live. It was live performance broadcast. Um, but we wanted to make sure we stayed in that zone. And I was way more comfortable with that. 
because now I'm using the skills and tools that I've developed in theater instead of trying to learn that whole other medium. I love film work. It's fun, but I really feel like I'm just goofing. It's sort of like if you're playing basketball, you're just like, I'm going to go for this three-pointer. What the fuck? <laughs> right, you right, know? exactly. I'll just keep doing it until I hit. Who cares? <laughs> By the way, Brian, here's a question for you. Have you directed before, or have you, it's just been strictly acting for you? Uh, <laughs> I assistant directed a production of Angels in America at SF State, oh, and then I went on to direct um, uh, another production of it, uh, part one, uh, for an LGBTQ uh, theater here in Sacramento. Nice. Years ago. Uh, nice. yeah. it, was cool. I was... it was it was draining stressful but the key thing was like you know as they say like you know I mean, casting's what 90% of the, the problem and yeah. I had an awesome cast so they carried it through to the end that's nice. cool yeah, yeah, yeah. I had asked because uh, there are a lot of actors who they may want to transition to doing other things like writing or other productions mm -hmm. or things like that um, do you see yourself doing that or are you comfortable with just acting no 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 I wish well, I mean, when I went to state, I mean, okay, before I was an actor, I uh, was like a, a visual artist. So I, I, I tried my hand at pretty much every aspect of, or technical aspect of theater while I was at SF State and, and past that. But, um, but yeah, I've always, like, I guess, regretted that I didn't focus more on like writing because especially now I feel it's like with nothing to actually do, like I wish I could pour that creativity into something and not only make something, but also, uh, um, uh, ideally in this world, when, when we do have an industry again, that I'm able to, you know, create my own work. Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's not working. too late. It's not no, too no, late. no. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, uh, I got this copy of Story and Save the Cat that uh, I've been sitting there and I'm slowly making my way through them. So, yeah. Just uh, when, as you were saying that, I was thinking about Stories High because Bendelstiff Studios, and you've worked with mm -hmm. Bendelstiff. You know, that's what they do. They work with budding uh, playwrights or just individuals who have a story just to, you know, test their waters, sort of dip their yeah. toes into it. Yeah. And uh, have you have you been involved with Stories High? I know you've been involved with Bendelstiff, but. I did uh, kind of sideways, kind of like a co-production, but um, in a way. Um, but I, with them specifically, I, I um, no, I wish. Because like, my whole thing was like, I, I. I never bothered to directly ask them, like, how do you cast? And I, was, I always kept just looking, like, in the TBA magazine, like, well, where's the casting for their next show? Not realizing years later, like, oh, you know, you get involved in a workshop, and then that's how people know your work and stuff, and then, then you get cast in things. And by that time, I was equity, and I couldn't work with them. Uh, but I, I did an off production of a, with a TNT. It was called a Teatro Nantanan, which is the theater for the people. Um, which branched off from from Bindlestiff. And they did a co-production right when I, I moved here um, with uh, Theater of Yugen. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Oh, yeah, was, Theater of Yugen, yeah. Yeah, Theater of they're oh, wonderful. And um, for, so for those folks who don't know, they're one of the nation's, uh, one of a handful of the nation's only uh, oldest, uh, not oldest, longest running, um, um, classical Japanese theaters in the country. And so they, you, they fuse like the no tragedy style with um around this like um kind of ghost story of this uh woman named sisa a character from a uh, this vaunted piece of uh, filipino literature so that was a fun uh, fun production but uh yeah i want to work with them more and i i, I love them i i think the world of bindle stuff so 
they like all other theaters in the bay are thriving yeah yeah kind of uh, the pandemic it's by the pandemic have you lost any money as a result of the pandemic have you <laughs> how much money have you lost <laughs> well yeah i mean we were supposed to be like was it last week we were supposed to have started rehearsals for a summer show for the mime troupe mm -hmm. but you know I'm very grateful that we, we, we uh, the, the collective has uh, restructured uh, the, 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 the performance. And so now it's a radio play that we're right. hoping we can get up uh, July 4th. Oh, nice. What's that? Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So I hope we're, yeah, Tales of the Resistance is what it's called. And so we're, we're, we're trying to, we have all these, these like three or four different short pieces done in different genres. I don't know how much I can say, but uh, it's very much in the style of radio plays. So, uh, so we have rehearsals you know, every few days and we're slowly cobbling something together. Should be cool. Nice. I'm sorry, I, I was having a little choking fit, so I jumped up. Uh, did I hear you say something about TNT? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the production I was involved in, like, like 90, 98. I, I guess that was their last production before they kind of... Teatro in Tanang? Yeah, Teatro in Tanang, Theater of the People. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember them. <laughs> Yeah, they were great. Oh. Is that Filipino or is that Latino? Filipino. Filipino. Yeah. Oh, right, right on. There was a wonderful, it was the first time I'd ever seen, a, there's a space on Shattuck? Telegraph. On mm. Telegraph. Um, around 43rd in oh. Telegraph. Uh, there was a little community cultural center. Um, oh. And that was where I first saw them. And they did some shorts there. Oh, my gosh. They were, they were beautiful pieces. Okay, nice. It was the first time I was introduced to the, the person of um, Jose uh, Rizal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Rizal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Huh. No, these groups come and go, and we stay Because I've known Brian for a long time. I, my memory of meeting you is, like, through the Magic Young Playwrights Program. Mm -hmm. It might have yeah. been before that, but that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, we did a lot of lot of like stage readings, uh, youth theater pieces together. Youth theater pieces, it was crazy, but yeah, good fun, fun pieces and an amazing cadre of uh, talent. Yeah, for sure. Like you, me, OG. Yeah, yeah, so many people. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you make it to uh, the Bay, or uh, do you spend most of your time in Sacramento? He's been. That's the thing. He's been a big commuter this whole friggin' time. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. But I think I've been very grateful that I have friends who I could stay with or places I, I could sublet, you know, that I like find at the nth hour. But um, mm -hmm. I mainly subletted. No, no, no. That's not true. Uh, up until like mid 2000s, I was, you know, I had places. But then, oh, yeah, okay. When, when, when I got back here from LA around 2012, 13, um, I was subletting a lot. So, mm -hmm. you know. But when I wasn't working, I was here in Sacramento. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, I hear you. Where Where do you see yourself in the future, Brian? Um, what you know, like five, ten years from now? Who? I mean, that's hard. It's hard to look that far in the sense. Right. How about like, two or three years from now? <laughs> well, I mean, see, that's the thing. It's like every so. I think at the end of every production, I always think like, oh, shit, is this time you know to move on? <laughs> Right, and then, and then once once this pandemic happened, like okay, this is a big sign. Not not you know, it's a, you know, not really really, but like okay, do I get that state job? Like you know, all my friends got mm. right. 
settle in back in my hometown. But um, I'd still like, I like to make it back to New York. I unfinished business with that city. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to try to make it there without something, you know, in my pocket or, mm-hmm. you know, without already having a great show there. But um, and I also want to kind of, you know, I do want to I've been very unfocused as far as film work goes, and I want to focus more on that. So mm-hmm. film, how, how much how much film have you done? Not much. Like I did, I did my first feature um, back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, a play, uh, a local a filmmaker in the Bay, uh, H.P. Mendoza. Oh, phenomenal writer. He's amazing. Director. Yeah. Oh my God. And so I, 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 he he was at SF State when I was at SF State, but he was best friends with one of my, one of my close friends, uh, Christian Cadigal. And mm-hmm. I would always see his plays and or, or, or his, his film work. And I'm like, I want to be in his shows. And so finally one day he asked me. And so we did this dark comedy called Bitter Melon uh, about a family. Okay. Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was one of these brothers who hadn't seen each other in years. And we filmed it in like a month's time in, um, in the middle of the heat wave a couple of years ago. It was a, uh-huh. Which is kind of insane because we're doing like a Christmas thing and everyone's wearing all these coats and like, you know, <laughs> doing it in summertime. Funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. So in between takes, you know, people were so one one crew member like bought a, like a, a floor fan from Target and mm-hmm. was fanning us between takes and which was a blessing. But uh, where was that set? I was set in the mission, but we, we were filming okay. in these houses in a, like, I think like on mm, Balboa Park. Uh-huh. Huh. But like no air conditioning, so right. <laughs> well, I would love HP is amazing. I would oh love my to work with HP. <laughs> yeah, great guy and super talented. Yeah, I was thinking about video because you know there are a lot of folks who are doing YouTube videos, and mm. um, you know I didn't know if you if that was a something that you had thought about doing just as far as getting your name out there. Oh, uh, for and, sure, for sure. Um, two 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 close buddies of mine from from Campo Santo, um, Donald Lacey and uh, Juan Amador, uh, phenomenal. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I guess when I came back off of tour, I kept talking about food so much, all the food I was eating in the, all these places. And they were like, you need to make a YouTube video about, you know, food. I'm like, well, I'm no chef, but. Uh, you are so a chef. I've seen some <laughs> stuff you posted. Well, yeah, in these past few months, I've been cooking a lot more. So, so yeah, yeah. We're, me and Donald are trying to work on a little thing, see how it goes. Oh, cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely post that. Uh, you know, I want folks, you know, at the, at the end of this, you know, people will see, we'll usually post your um, YouTube and Twitter and Snapchat information so people can follow you. I was, okay. on the inter- I was on the Internet Movie Database, and I was trying to look you up. There are a bunch of Brian, Brian M. Rivera, so. Yeah, there's. Oh, really? Sadly, yeah. a bunch. Like, there's a guy who made a horror movie, and, and so I have a writing and producing credit. I've, I've contacted IMDb yes. a bunch of times saying, this is not me, but. They haven't changed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure the so other Brian Rivera would also be like, hey, wait a minute. Somebody else is getting my credit, you know, so. Right, right. I thought you could edit that at least a little bit. Right. I thought so. Huh. That's the yeah. same. Because I, I know I, I, I didn't realize how much little stuff I had. So I went and I just started posting all this stuff up. And I was like, oh, cool. I could, this is that simple? Bam, bam, bam. Hmm. Well, this is years ago. I tried this, so maybe I gotta okay. get back on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It works. Well, uh, we're getting close to the hour mark. Um, okay. I don't know if there's uh, anything else. Uh, we can get into uh, shout-outs, uh, birthdays, and upcoming Zoom events and stuff. Yeah. Oh, where's my where's my list? Where's birthdays. Um, 
So uh -huh. Wanda Sabir's birthday is today. Uh, Wanda Sabir is an African-American woman who has been covering theater, I think, most of the time I've been doing it in the Bay Area. So um, happy birthday, Wanda. Uh, and then somebody I just met, but she's been involved with theater for a long time. She is on the board. I think she's the president of the board of the CATS, a contemporary Asian-American theater scene, I think is what it's called, it's in the South Bay, um, and I'm actually, that's one of the things I want to promote at the end, um, we're doing a, uh, what are they calling it, a webinar, talking about um, Asian American, African American coll artists collaborating, oh, anyway, her birthday's coming up, Leanne Lam, uh, and then somebody I went to college with, Sonia Alar, this amazing actress, um, when we were in college, and then she ended up at up, up in Ashland and met this guy, and they got married, moved back down to L.A., and, and she's not from L.A., but we went to college down there, moved back down there. She's been down there ever since, raised family, happy woman, and she still occasionally does a musical or something. She's, in, she's bright, and her musical chops are amazing. So Sonia Alar, Brian Freeman, um, he's another Bay Area, L.A. guy. Uh, he's um, African-American... Um, he was one of the founders of Afropomo Homos um, way back in the day. Um, and just, uh, he's done a bunch of solo work. Uh, he is a very out gay man. So, yay Pride Month. Um, and happy birthday to Brian. Uh, Dan Wolf, who, do you know Dan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan Wolf works a lot with a bunch of little groups and, um, and specializes in spoken word and stuff. So, it's funny, we both are... Um, guest artist at the School of the Arts in San Francisco, mm. and I know he did a piece last year where they, the kids were not ready for it. And it was like you think they they think they know their stuff, and Dan's <laughs> like, no, you know, if I go in, I'm serious about my theater. So is Dan. So Dan Wolf's birthday is this week, nice. and then a woman who I met, the only other Mara who I've ever known in my life, um, was suddenly my boss a few years ago. <laughs> at the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts in Richmond. And, um, and then she has moved on. I'm not sure what she was doing now. When she was at uh, Lawrence Livermore, I mean Lawrence uh, Berkeley Labs, doing an art thing. She was bringing theater into that. Uh, Mara Lakwant, Lakwant, yes. Uh, my brother Charles G, his birthday's coming up this week, so I got to get that shout out. And then um, somebody, you probably know Brian Keiko. Is it Keiko, oh, the um, the costumer for uh, the mime troupe? Keiko? Oh, Keiko. Yeah, oh, Keiko. Keiko. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, totally. her birthday's coming up this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the final one is Karen Criswell. Um, I think she does more film work now, but she was somebody I met when I was a hungry young actor in the Bay trying to figure out what to do. You go to all these auditions, you don't get it, you don't get it. What else do you do? And Karen started to put together a little group, and we just started creating stuff. It never really got to the point of performance, but for maybe a couple of years, we were coming together and just, you know, honing our chops and learning all aspects of how do you put a project together. It was very cool. So her birthday this week, I think it's Friday. Those are my birthday kids. And I've got two. Um, one is Eve Teak. Her birthday is today. Eve Teak is um it's really a, a sister brother it's one of the one of the things that i love about doing the yay is hearing about families that are involved in the arts and theater because usually you hear about one person 
out of the family who's the artistic person. And uh, But Eve Teak and her brother, uh, Don Teak, I met them when I uh, did Skin of Our Teeth, which is a, a drama. It was done at the, uh, the Douglas Morrison Theater, one of the last things that Susan Evans did before she moved to the Town Hall Theater. And Eve is not only a musician, but she's also a fantastic actress, and her birthday's today, so I wanted to give a shout-out to Eve Teak. Yay! And also, Dion Aquino-Chi, who was one of the <coughs> founders of Bindlestiff. She, uh, as a matter of fact, when I uh, first came to Bindlestiff, beautiful Philippine uh, actress and um, creative, who, um, as a matter of fact, the very last Bindlestiff thing I did, she directed it. No, she didn't direct it, I'm sorry. She wrote it. It was called Gotta Love Them Immigrants. Mm. And, uh, so, <laughs> no, it was very, very funny. Basically, I think it was a sort of a autobiography about how she and a bunch of kids were running around in the Mission District in San Francisco and getting into all sorts of trouble. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, basically she had to learn the hard way about how to uh, conduct yourself and that sort of stuff. Huh. But it was, it was fun. I enjoyed doing it and uh, incredible, t incredibly talented. I don't think she's doing theater anymore. She has a... Um, a marijuana um, business that she sells uh, cannabis. Ah, uh, she's Los doing Angeles. the Lord's work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so those are the two that I have. Um, you have any upcoming uh, Zoom productions? Anything you're doing, Norman? Um, shoot, after this last week, I'm ready to have a break. I'm happy for it. But I do have a thing coming up, and it's actually, it's June 24th? Wait a minute. What is next Wednesday? That doesn't sound right. Uh, this is through Cats. Cats is um, sponsoring a... Just checking my calendar here because that seems wrong. I thought it was Wednesday. I'm sure it's Wednesday. Is Wednesday? That sounds right. Wednesday, yeah, 24th. Yeah, Wednesday, okay. Wednesday 24th. Wednesday, uh, 24th, 5:30 p.m. It's called. Uh, they're calling it uh, Solidarity Through the Arts. It's a artist interview. They're doing. They're doing a series of interviews with artists. This is a panel. Jeannie Baroga, Ron Muriera, and myself will be doing this live. Uh, next Wednesday. Uh, next Wednesday? Good gosh. Yes. Wow. <clears throat> and as we talked about it, what was cool is those communities have not always had the best relationship with the African-American, Asian communities. Um, but there are all kinds of ways where they have. I mean, clearly, if you think about Rodney King and, you know, all of that, um, you can see where there's been some tension but we got to talk about things, not just the arts, like Buffaloed or uh, another play that Jeannie and I are working on, Maddie May, um, where it does very much show how these cultures are in the same position in many ways and need to share that power. But with all the discussion that's going on right now, how people get overwhelmed and they say, I don't know what to do and what is it going to matter? And it's like, oh, here we go. Here's a whole list of references we can give you. So, yeah, it should be pretty fun. should be a pretty lively thing, and that'll be Wednesday, 5.30. Yeah, that should be very powerful. I'd be interested in uh, t uh, looking into that. Are they, are they, can people, I don't know if it's closed, closed or can people come in to watch? Oh, it's, um, you, um, let me, I just had the flyer up. Let's see what it says. I think you get in touch with. Uh, I'm sorry, Pachon Spot. Um, that's not it. Okay. I have, my, I have it on my phone. Okay. Just we'll keep talking. Brian, do you have any shout outs? I wish. I didn't. I, I can't find my birthdays list, but uh, I just got. Uh, I know. But uh, I got two events that are, are happening soon. Um, Please. Yeah. Tell us about it. So, 
So, okay, uh, going ahead first, uh, as I said, the San Francisco Mime Troupe, uh, the nation's oldest, longest running musical theater, political musical theater in the nation. Um, we're doing a Tales of the Resistance, the radio play on uh, July, I think around July 4th, will be up and running online. So you can go to sfmt.org to check out more info. Um, but also Campo Santo, where we've been doing this great thing where um, they've been showing uh, uh, archives of uh, past productions, uh, right? usually on Fridays. So we're doing a virtual throwback for uh, Casa de Spirits, which was uh, produced uh, a few years ago. That was uh, written and directed by Roger Grinevere Smith. And um, it's an awesome production. I didn't get to see it in person, but uh, uh, we're having a, a live uh, viewing through Eventbrite on a Friday, June 26th at 7 p.m. So if you uh, make any kind of donation uh, before that happens, you'll get a code so you can watch it uh, as it's happening live. And then usually there's a talk back with some of the people involved with the show. Right nice. Nice. Yeah. So I've got one uh, quick thing that I'll, um, so I just finished doing a uh, Zoom uh, reading and I'll be doing another Zoom reading on Monday. This will be Ooh. the 22nd. Uh, the Playwright Center for San Francisco, they pulled me back in. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm <laughs> tapped out, but they, they got me back in. Um, a young, uh, a budding playwright, um, Rod McFadden, he's written a piece called Neighborhood Watch. And I'll hmm. be uh, acting with uh, David Stein, Carrie Ann Roscoe, um, Stephen Collins, I believe that's his name. And, okay. um, yeah. And I'm trying to think of the, uh, there's another individual. Oh, of course. Uh, Kimberly Ridgway. <laughs> Kimberly Ridgway will be my wife and, uh, it's called Neighborhood Watch. It deals with race relations. It deals with, uh, racial stereotypes and how we view each other. I mean, uh, it's, it, it reminds me so much of this wonderful Twilight Zone episode called Shelter, where you have, uh, these neighbors who are idyllic and they love each other. But then there's, uh, on the radio news, there's going to be a fallout. I mean, there's a, um impending warning that's, uh, that's happening. And so the neighbors try to clamor into this one guy's shelter. But he's like, no, I can't put you in the shelter. And the neighbors oh, right. are tearing each other apart. Just, and it's like, wow, these are, who my, these are who my neighbors are. So it's about reality. It's about... Is this uh, Twilight Zone? No, it's not Twilight Zone. It just reminds me of it. But Neighborhood Watch, it, it dives into just what are the real relationships are between neighbors. And it gets into race relations and it gets into stereotypes. And I think it'll be nice. This will be on Monday, the 22nd, the Playwright Center for San Francisco. I'll put up a little post on it. And that'll be at 7 o'clock. Okay. Nice. Yep. Cool. Norman, did, did you have your, uh, your thing? I'm going to put it in comments. Okay, cool. No problem. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm typing it in as we speak. Keep going. <laughs> cool. Brian, did, did you have a good time? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, thank you so thank much you. for coming on. And uh, anyone who um, wants to check out, you know, what you'll be doing next year with the San Francisco Mind Troop, and you're also with, um, oh, shucks, I forgot the theater. Oh, yeah, Campo Santo. Campo with Santo. The yeah. Yeah. The, uh, inter the intersection, right? The Yeah, intersection for the arts. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So um, we want to thank everyone for checking out the uh, the yay. And um, this video will be posted on YouTube so you can watch that. Of course, I'll be posting on Facebook and a lot of you have just clicked on the Facebook feed and that's how you're watching it now. The audio version of this will be on um, the Apple podcast app, really any app that you listen to your podcasts. If you're a um, Android user, you can use the uh, SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or a Zoom recording that you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, 
let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Huser? <laughs> Brian, uh, do you have a uh, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram thing? Uh, I mean, I got, uh, I'm mainly on Instagram, I guess. Brian, yeah, Brian, what's, what's my name Is here? it Brian Rivera or Brian M. Rivera? Brian M. Rivera on Instagram. Right on. Yeah. So if you're looking for a, uh, an actor, an equity actor, you got to pay him. Uh, check out Brian Rivera. Hey. <laughs> exactly. And with that, we are going to be out of here. So um, Norman, as you and I always say, we got to find, find a better, better sign off. Yeah, I know. It's tough to get on the thing. <laughs> and we are out. Yay. Also, have a good weekend. You too, you too.